Hi, my name is Lucas Walters. And I'm Lindsay Vanover. Um, today we're doing a podcast over um, some equity issues that we see in schools, um, you know, some of the differences that we see when you have different fundings going to different schools and how that affects students as they grow up in life. Particularly in like the different fundings of public education and how that is influenced on racial background and other inequity issues and how that can affect your future life. Yeah, so I guess to start it out, um, we've been doing this, we've been researching for, gosh, nine months now. Mm -hmm. Um, We started out, um, we were asked to pick a topic and we were just, you know, what inequalities do you see in the world? What's something that you think needs to change that you would like to make a change? Um, and Lindsay and I both sort of centered around schooling. Um, personally for me, I've been to, um, different schools that have had different fundies. I started out at a lower income school. Um, and then I went immediately to a private school and then I've come to Platte County, which is like a middle between the two. And it's been, there's been a lot of difference between the two different schools that I thought was something that need to change and for me personally i have gone to platte county high school my entire life i grew up here went to kindergarten here i know everybody here so um i've definitely had realized starting out this project that i was very much in my own little bubble of white suburban middle class public education but as i'm going off into college and i started meeting other people from different backgrounds and went to different schools i kind of realized the imbalances in these so we the stuff we're going to be talking about in this first episode is going to be statistics you know what did we find during our research because i think at the end of first semester so that would have been gosh 4 Five, four, forever five ago. months forever <laughs> ago. ago, forever ago, four or five months ago, um, we started doing research. We were asked to find um, scientific papers, documents, studies, you know, stuff that would open our eyes. You know, we had said, all right, this is what we want to look into. And then we found these documents which said these ideas. And it was, you know, did these ideas match with what we thought was happening? Did they challenge our views? You know, did they go off in the opposite direction of what we thought? Um, and so I guess we're just going to be talking about that. We'll discuss the statistics a little bit um, and talk about what we think they mean. Possibly get to some solutions. Sort of depends on how much time we take. But um, I guess I'll start it off with the first. Take it away, Lucas. <laughs> awesome. Um, so the first thing that we found um was some data that showed that low-income students are five times more likely to drop out of high school than those who are high-income and 13 times less likely to graduate from high school on time. And the Pioneer Pioneer Institute reports that two-thirds of those without a high school diploma have an annual income of less than $25,000. And so not only is poor funding affecting students' chances of getting into college, according to the Census Bureau, um, the percentage of students from low-income families who attend college immediately after high school dropped to less than 50%. And that's how, like, 
I view the education system sort of fuels this cycle of poverty where people will drop out of school to go help get a job and get a second job to support their family because their family doesn't make enough money. But then since they don't have their high school diploma and since their school doesn't have enough resources to be able to get them to a level of higher education, then they can't they can't access these higher income jobs that are normally taken from a higher education and they can't sort of raise themselves out of this poverty. Yeah, that's, I mean, it, you had the data that said that those um, are five times more likely to drop out of high school um, if you're low income than if you're high income. It's just that, I mean, the high school diploma is, it means a lot in the world for getting a job. And if you don't have the chance to get that because, you know, you have to support your family, you have siblings or parents who you have to take care of. And, you know, as soon as you can get a job, you have to get one to support your family. And then that's, you know, one of the reasons that we're fueling this, as Lindsay said, as this cycle that, you know, it just starts over and over and over. And we need to find a way to break this cycle. Mm-hmm. And a big problem with like trying to improve these schools that like don't have have a lack of resources is just the funding because majority of the funding goes to higher income areas and higher income school districts. And um, as I was reading, um, there's a threefold dis- difference between per student spending in New York with more than spent on a child. Those schools remain highly segregated in Idaho with less than 6,300 spent per student. So just in state to state differences, there's inequities with how much money is being, being put into the school, which is benefiting the students and how much money can be put towards their future. Yeah, because like, you know, as a student, you can only do so much as is supplied to you. And, you know, if you have access to, let's say, free meals, you know, you get um, better textbooks, better teachers, you're more inclined to learn. So that way, if you get the chance to, um, if you get the chance to finish high school, you know, you have not only have you finished high school, but you've had a quality education, and you're able to support you know, whatever job you choose, you're able to get that because you've had the more spending as opposed to some schools that have lower income right now who don't have the ability to hire good teachers. Mm -hmm. And even just like looking at students applying to college, like not even getting in, um, it was recently like brought to my attention that um, like some, some schools don't even have like enough money for counselors. So like if your school, if your college that you're applying to requires a counselor recommendation, the counselors at a lower income school may have to like focus on more students and may not have as much one-on-one time to meet with the students and really get to understand them to provide like a good recommendation or they can't talk to them about their possible scholarship opportunities or just their future in general. Yeah, you know, and it's not just that, but it's also, you know, a lot of times uh, counselors can be helpful in deciding what you're going to do um, Mm -hmm. after school in general, just not even with college. But if you want to go straight into the workforce, a lot of times they have recommendations with that. Or if you want to go into the military, they can 
they can help with that or whatever you want to do. School counselors can provide the help for that. And if you don't have the funding to get enough school counselors or even any school counselors at all, it makes it really hard for students to do this on their own, especially, you know, if you're a student who's a first generation college student mm -hmm. or if you know you haven't had any experience, you don't know somebody who, to go to who can help you. It can make the whole experience of applying to college and getting into college or anything like that really daunting and a lot more difficult than somebody who has those resources available. Yeah, and like I specifically remember in middle school, we had like one day where the counselors came in and they talked to us about like different vocational options and like alternatives <laughs> to going straight into college about going to like trade school or a community college. And we also like took a ton of career quizzes to like see where we would fit into. But other schools that if their counselors are stretched thinner between more students, they may not have that nice like one on one time for, to help the students really explore their options. Yeah, no, especially I think even as though we're not a high income school, I would say in Platte County, we're I wouldn't say a low income school either. You know, mm -hmm. we're mostly middle class, um, but we have a lot of opportunities, um, a lot more opportunities than students of low income because we have access to things like um, there's uh, vocational um, training, I guess would be the right word if you want to go into it, where you have options where you can do internships in high school. Um, you can get certificates if you're wanting to go like into I know mechanical, like mechanics or welding, they have the school offers um, some of these courses through like the Northland Career Center that help you get an upper hand when you're starting out in the world. And it's just not the same for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we need to figure out a way to make it so that anybody who wants these opportunities has access to them and can work with these opportunities. But even looking at like the other side of it, is even just like the Park Hill School District, which is literally like 20 minutes away, they have like so many different AP classes and so many different opportunities to allow them to like get into colleges. Because especially now, like if you want to go to more prestigious university, you are going to need to have like AP classes and get that credit ahead. And it can also help you pay for it because then you don't have to pay for the class in college if you get a good AP test, but our school doesn't offer that many AP mm -hmm. tests. And also a lot of <clears throat> teachers don't have the qualifications. Like one time I was talking with a family member who goes to a very rural school where her class size is like 40 people and they didn't have any teachers that were qualified enough to teach these AP classes because they're only required <clears throat> to be taught by people who like have a major in that subject which is necessary for students to get the full understanding, but it kind of creates another barrier from these lower income students to achieve high goals. Yeah, no, no, no. I definitely agree. I think actually I have a statistic here. Yes, um, I have a statistic that says the difference in actual schools' expenditures are often substantial because teachers' salaries are based on their experience and credits or degrees earned. And because high poverty schools have many more less experienced, lower paid teachers, they have a more turnover than low poverty schools. So, so just, you know, schools 
that have more funding are able to pay for more teachers. They're able to, you know, they're able to pay for more advanced classes, you know, because teachers who have the qualifications to teach these higher um, difficulty classes and to help students get farther after school um, normally have more degrees and they want money, you know, for that because, well, those degrees <laughs> cost a lot of money. <laughs> Um, and so it's hard for lower income schools to get the AP teachers, the IB teachers, or, you know, teachers that are doing more and putting in the effort and, you know, are able to teach the students more just because they don't have the funding to be able to pay for more teachers or more staff overall. Yeah. And whenever the staff is underpaid, then it's hard to get the higher quality. And even if you just look like geographically, a city near like a college town is going to have like a lot more highly qualified teachers versus like somewhere far in a rural area or somewhere where like we talked about in an area where not many people have a high school diploma or a college diploma then there aren't going to be as many people coming back to the community with a college degree yeah well and of course because you have um Things that cost money in school. Um, you know, if you want to have smaller class sizes, you need more teachers. If you want additional supports for students outside of school, early childhood programs, um, like competitive teacher compensation that would allow you to keep teachers and retain a higher quality teacher workforce, all of these things that are positively associated with student outcomes all cost more money. And so if you want all of these things that are associated with high student outcomes, then, you know, you're needing the money. And again, we just get back to that problem where the poverty and the inequality just faces a huge problem for students. And it's through no fault of their own that they've been born into this or moved mm -hmm. there. But it just, it creates this gap between lower income and higher income that just keeps on building and accumulating over the years. Mm -hmm. And something that I thought was really interesting, again, going back to like teachers and classes, is that um, even just like the classes that are offered at certain like high poverty schools, like um, I read this study about how 71% of low poverty schools offered calculus, but only 47% of high poverty schools offered calculus. And for physics, 79% of low poverty schools offered it, but 63% of high poverty. So if you don't have the classes, even at your school, then students can't explore those options and then go into a like high paying STEM job, even if they do end up going into college. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's difficult to um, find ways to reduce these gaps, but I think the number one issue is not enough money going into some schools. Mm -hmm. And while the government does pay um, Title I expedi expediatures, I think that's the right word, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's based on how high your population is taxed. And so even if you have a low-income population that you can't tax, as much, then you may not be able to get as much access to those funds. Mm -hmm. And then whenever the government doesn't fund schools, a lot of 
higher income families will send their kids to private schools and then put all of their money into that specific private school because they want the best for their child. But then that creates like an even bigger gap between the private schools and like the low impoverished public schools. Yeah, because you see these high income families that are sending their children off to a private school somewhere instead of, you know, where the students, if they had gone to a public school, the funding of those parents might have gone into the school and made it, you know, better overall, just, you know, had more access to be able to do more. Instead, it went to a private school and the people at the public school, even though they might have had a higher income area, it might not reflect in the school because students that have families that make those higher incomes aren't going to the public school. Mm -hmm. And like, I read something about how I think it was either like Sweden or Finland or some Scandinavian country had recently like outlawed like private um, like high schools. So then the parents that like had a lot of money instead of giving all of their money to the private schools started giving it to the public schools and it created a, a more equal level between all of the schooling because these parents were putting their money into everybody's education yeah and so that's quite possibly one of the solutions that we might you know look into mm -hmm. later off but i think right now we just need to address the problem uh, we need to see that it's there, and we need to raise awareness for um, people that maybe aren't aware of it or haven't seen it in their life just because of where they've grown up or who they've grown up with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the intention of this podcast, is to spread awareness and spread empathy, because especially for a lot of the juniors and seniors that are going to go out into college in the real world in the future, they're going to kind of be hit by this truck that everybody was not given the same opportunities that we have had. And it will sort of burst their little bubble of our white suburban town. Yeah. I, I think that has been the first episode. Um, thank you for listening. I think we'll have a second episode. I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we get hit by an asteroid in the next five minutes. Keep watching for more. <laughs> <laughs>